and listeners. And well, I can't do it like that. That's too, I, don't, I don't like that. How should I, I do it? I don't know what your voice, your voice went like up to office when you tried to enter. Hello. Hello. You were doing, uh, you were doing uh, Griffin's Watto. Hello. What if we just, Welcome. what if we just started in like. In Watto characters? Watto character I never uh, <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to Now That's What I Call Podcast, your weekly music podcast. I'm Paul. And I'm Will. And I just committed us to weekly podcasts. I mean, that seems like a reasonable expectation. That seems like a reasonable. This is our first Uh-oh. stroke, not first episode that we're getting to. Uh, we've recorded a couple already uh, that are in the can about our first band that we're a discography that we're going to dive into. But today we figured... We would go into uh, our thoughts on 2021, uh, Paul and I, what we listened to, what we liked, share them with each other, and you guys, so you can guys can kind of get a sense of uh, who we are musically. We thought it would be kind of a fun first episode, uh, even though we've already done a couple, so forgive the weird ramblings at the beginning of the eventual episode. And the longer it takes us to record and put it out, the less relevant our opinions. Yeah, I, I was thinking that well, when we were thinking, we were thinking about doing it like January 1st, I was like, this is pretty cool. And now, yeah. now I'm like, we might get this album. Now it's going to release like mid-March. It's like, <laughs> so 2021 had some cool albums. Remember that year? So I wanted to ask you, Paul, before we get into the uh, lists themselves proper, did you have any, what was 2021 like for you musically? Was there like you're listening or any themes you kind of picked up? Because I have some thoughts on like, the stuff I was listening to, um, just sort of like big picture thoughts on on the year in in that was music uh, for you. It's one of the reasons I wanted to start talking music with you in a more organized way is that I think twenty twenty one was a weird year for everyone, and as I like many people was reflecting on my mental health, I opened up my Spotify Wrapped at the end of twenty twenty. And I had a truly insane minutes listened. Yeah, was I was almost, really impressed when you was, shared that last time. But <laughs> it was almost no music. It was almost exclusively that I just always had podcasts running in the background. Yeah. And like stupid comedy podcasts that I'd already heard. Comfort. Like when, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I can pretty. I could pretty accurately track how my mental health is doing by how much energy to listen to new music I have. And it's one of those, um, it's one of those capacity increasing things that the more new music I consume, the happier and more energetic I get. And you know, the more I can affirm. I have the, I have the exact same feeling. Like, there's a there's a YouTube series called Prepare to Try that's like a couple IGN guys who play Dark Souls and stuff and I like can tell how I'm doing mentally based yes. on <laughs> if I'm rewatching the series again. Like I'll find myself yeah, watching the, the best of and be like, "Oh, this is making me happy." And then I'm like, "Oh, wait, why do I need this though?" Yeah. So like I, I have the same feeling where it's like I want to be going to new things and it like makes me feel good to do it, but it's not always, you know, accessible in in some moments where you're like, "Oh, I really need that comfort food." Yeah, every time I restart Blank Check from the beginning, you can tell that, like, things aren't going great for me. <laughs> Paul, Paul's having um, some stuff, going through some stuff. So, yeah, so just to start this podcast nice and casual, uh, music is a good way for me to affirm being alive. <laughs> and so I would like to, uh, and you know, uh, I feel like a lot of the podcasts I listen to, when you hear how they started it, they were like, well, I enjoyed these conversations with my friend, and this seemed like kind of a way to memorialize and make sure that we had those conversations. And so uh, I like listening to music. I like talking about music to you. Um, I think you know a lot more names of bands than I do. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I really, especially by the time we got to the end of 2021, um, it's really exciting for me to get people's end of year lists and get all these really cool recommendations. And I kind of went on a frenzy of consuming new music at the very end of 2021. And, yeah, I, uh, I did too. Lo- there's a lot of good stuff out there. I did too. And I feel like it's, you know, you and I also obviously have shared musical thoughts since college. And like you said, it's, it's nice to be able to kind of put them down somewhere. I think 2021 was weird to me because it was a very scattershot year. I think like yes. big releases 
kind of disappointed. Like, like the big stuff that people were looking forward to, like the Kanye's and the Adele's and stuff like that. Like, I don't know that those hit like people wanted to in Lord's new album and stuff, but I felt like there I was have a... not seen, I have not seen Donda on, on any year end list. On, on <laughs> almost yeah. any year. I thought I would have at least, I mean, Made like in the some, way that yeah. I see like Olivia Rodrigo on a lot of years. She's on almost lists. all. And like her, I think her album's like kind of yeah, a jam. Good. I think it's pretty good. Yeah. But like, that and that's kind good. of my that's kind of my point is that like I feel like 2021 for me was a weird transitional year where I was like there's not a lot of like big projects that I've been associated with for a long time bands or musicians that are putting out things that I'm loving but there's a lot of like cool new scattershot stuff that I'm I'm into and I think like that was exciting for you and, and me to go back and forth and and exchange you know some of those so like I feel like this a was a year of... where I kind of had to be like okay maybe the things that are getting like really good reviews in in online stuff that I follow, like, is not going to be my thing, and I'd rather kind of dig around at, in, like, the, the, the periphery, which, which is, I don't know, I had fun doing that this year. A lot of the bands on the list for me, this is their third album, and it's the first one I've heard of them, which is a great place to pick up a band. Yeah, I, um, I have a couple debuts. I think you have a couple debuts, too, um, and, like, either debuts or second albums that are that are really high-ranked on our list that are, you know... Certainly, and there's... One of my favorite bands, a band that is the band we're going to be talking about, put out an album last year, and uh, I did not really uh, find anything worthwhile listening to it. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I mean, so, yeah. and that's the same thing for me. Like, there were a couple bands that, like, Parquet Courts, for example, like, I love a couple of their records, and I put out this, their album this year. I don't even remember what it was called, uh, which is embarrassing, but I just, like, didn't connect with it. Like, Dinosaur Jr. put out an album this year, and I was like, this is kind of a snooze fest. I don't and know I, for me. I saw I saw Dinosaur Jr. promoting that new album. Yeah. I mean, I bet it was a cool show, but I don't really like it the album. It was a cool show <laughs> when they were playing songs from, like, Farm <laughs> and beyond that I yeah. knew. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's one of those things. But, I mean, I'm excited um, to kind of dig in, and hopefully we can share some of these with you. Um, I mean, they're not going to be, like, the most insane deep cuts of all time, but they will give you both no. an idea of what Paul and I like and kind of, like, where our musical minds are, are in, the, in the moment um, and what kind of things we're looking forward to. Uh, in the future year. So, Paul, do you want to start us out with your first pick? We're going to ping pong back and forth, count down our top 10 albums from 2021. We we each have an overlap. There, are, We each we have two albums that we overlap on, and so we're going to uh, skip. The The person who has the album higher is going to discuss the album. Correct. We have we, Paul and I have an interesting mix of shared musical taste and then completely <laughs> not shared musical taste. So there are some things that you know each one of us have that the other one won't like at all. And then weirdly, there's a few that overlap. So, you know, it kind of works out. So starting with things we don't overlap on, I'm going to start with a hip hop album. There are no hip hop albums on your list. This is accurate. And so uh, at my number 10, I have from New Jersey rapper, Mac Homie, I have his album, Pray for Haiti. And we're going to hear a little bit of the first track, the 26th letter. West told me to rearrange the whole game. Fuck up they top five. Some soul train performers. Niggas is not live. Rap snitch connections telling the cops they status. A lot of these rappers big 12 like March Madness. While I was cruising in the A-bumping future, you was cooped up. We served the whole block like a food truck. Yeah. Chest naked in a trap with the ooze tuck. Like what? Or big 49 elect like a booster. No thirst in how to God. So if you think that the the kind of overall most solid era for hip hop is late 80s, early 90s, East Coast. I do. New, <laughs> New, New York, New Jersey hip hop. If what you want is kind of, you know, uh, tight delivery over um, solid beats, but production that doesn't really sh steal the show. Um, not a lot of emphasis on hooks or choruses, more an emphasis on wordplay and double entendre then you might like this uh east coast album from uh mac uh, i have no idea what his real name is the internet is not forthcoming but he's a uh Haitian oh, really? American. he's like still uh he's still anonymous even after yeah he's pretty him. anonymous wow. that's, uh, kind of, that's actually kind of cool I, I respect that from a brief internet search i mean i did not uh use the tools of the legal system to try and discern <laughs> his real name but it's it's just a very solid album and it's like I said it's in that east coast genre of hip hop where I feel like you can just have infinite variations on the same kind of basic album structure where it's it's not too long it is let me check real quick it is 
it's 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 16 tracks none of them are too long and that 16 trap is with a couple skits in there the production is solid but as i said it doesn't really none of the beats are are super memorable or to the point where you're paying more attention to them uh for the hip-hop he's got good delivery good control he's clever you have west side gun another rapper i like a lot who mostly comes in for ad libs and a verse here and there and it's I'm sure we're going to have discussions of what it means for an album to be about something. This album definitely has Haiti and Haitian culture and, you know, what being the poorest country in the hemisphere means. It's got that on its mind, but it's a long way from a conscious album. And so yeah. it's got it's got a it's got a Haitian um I don't know. Flavor seems like a reductive way to say it. But what do you what 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 did you think of this album? I, I like this album. I mean, if there was going to be a rap album on a year end list of mine, it would certainly be something like this. You know, like you were saying, like for me, my favorite type of hip hop and rap is the like early '90s, like Mob Deep or is it Mob Infamous or no Mob Deep the Infamous? I think that's Mob the Deep. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Tribe Called Quest and all that that kind of stuff. Like like you were saying, like real kind of like simple vintage dusty sounding um samples over just like clever wordplay like uh like yeah it's just like an infinitely repeatable formula i think you're right like it it just works for me um so like it's not something that i am always seeking out but like if i'm going to rap and hip-hop that is 100 what i am looking for and, and i really enjoyed this it, i was surprised at how throwback it felt for 2021 because like it felt like a lot of the bigger hip-hop stuff was like kind of pretty like going in this like glitch uh like heavy electronic right, that, experimental rap and so i was like oh this is like kind of chill and laid back and I'm, I'm into that like i liked it that's that i mean the the, the big the biggest names in hip-hop right now i mean probably people like tyler the creator of course i mean there's like overarching people like kanye west is always there but in terms of a lot of the acclaimed hip-hop yeah, like the ones that I was year, seeing I was like, like JPEG it's... Mafia and um, yes. Injury Reserve and stuff, like stuff that was high on Rachel Music and also got like, you know, needle drop mentions and just high reviews in general. Like those are very like maximalist, very electronic, like pushing boundaries of production. And I, I kind of like just having something where it's like hit the pocket, lay back, it's chill, and it has a message. And uh, like for me, I, I enjoyed it. In, in the same way that no matter what rock music does, there's always kind of if all you want is kind of four people in their late teens, early twenties yelling over like two guitars, a bass and some drums, there's always a ton of that you can find. I feel like in the, in hip hop there, similarly, there's always kind of under the surface, a bunch of people just doing clever bars over decent beats. And this yeah. album is a really good example of that. Um, you know, I've, doing this podcast, I'd like to, um, cultivate a larger vocabulary for discussing hip-hop albums i'm sure there's more interesting things i could say about this album but i really liked it and i think it's worth a listen uh that is pray for haiti by mac homie paul's number 10 paul's Moving number on. 10 now will to my number 10 who have you got for your number 10 so let me say a disclaimer before we go <laughs> too far into this I am only very confident in like the top five of this 10. Yes. And then the rest of them are, it's kind of like, okay, I need to do a 10. So here's my other five. So like, I'm not going to say that these are the most amazing things, but they are, it is what was taking up space in my brain um, this year. Yeah. This first one is. I, uh, I was, I was, I, I was thinking that like, um, there's a very clear cutoff where like my, my list is mostly eights until I think it goes to a couple nines. And like, I'm going to say we're like where that cutoff yeah, is. Yeah, where that but... changes. <laughs> Whereas yeah, for me, so I feel like, like I have like one nine, a couple eights, and then like a lot of sixes and sevens is <laughs> sort right. of where, where, I, where I feel about it. So for me, I have um, a lower bar for an eight than you do. <laughs> this is true. I picked um, the John Dwyer led uh, experimental album, Witch Egg. Um, John Dwyer being the uh, guitarist and leader of a band that has gone by the OCs and a variety of other names. I think currently they're called OCs. And we're going to hear a little bit from the first track, uh, Greener Pools, off of uh, Witch Egg by John Dwyer and company. There's a lot of names listed. It's a, uh, a heavily improvisatory uh, album, so let's check out uh, a couple seconds of that.
So, there you are, John Dwyer and company, which egg I feel as though this year for me was largely defined by jazz. Like, it was a big uh, source of exploration and new stuff for me. And, like, as such, I kind of was also looking around at, like, well, what's coming out now in jazz? And this was listed as a fusion album on a couple different places. I don't know if I would call it fusion. I would call it more, like, loose improv. But as you could hear, it's kind of like a mix of synth, um, guitar, bass, uh, sax stuff. Just kind of like really loose, jammy, cool vibes. Um, I just, I, I really enjoyed it. It was something that I listened to quite a bit while I was kind of um, either reading or like writing a paper um, for school. And uh, I, I know that it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea, but it is kind of, I, I like where it's going. I really like John Dwyer. There's a couple OCs albums that have been like super cool to me. They're kind of like a garage rock, noise rock um, kind of vibe, and he seems like a very nice and chill dude from the interviews that I've heard from him uh, and seen from him, so I, I, I hope he is. Um, and, I, and I'm glad that he also put out, like, three more albums that are similar to this this year. Like, he put out, like, four albums this year, and they're all kind of experimental stuff. So, like, it does give it an air of, like, disposability, but I, I enjoyed, you know, what I heard on this kind of stuff. Did you um make it through this whole album, Paul? I don't know if it was to your cup of tea. <laughs> I, I made it uh, a couple songs through the album. That, I mean, you know... To be honest with you, like once you get an, a knowledge of it, it's variations on that, so it's not like it's like a huge difference. I think that's that's exactly. I I definitely didn't dislike it. I would even say that I liked it. Wow! But sometimes you're listening to an album and you get to song four, and you're like, okay, this feels like it's all kind of been the same basic variations on the sound and if it's mm. not grabbing me completely at that point um it's hard for me to feel like i wanted to listen to the rest of it that being said i mean the instrumentation is really skillful um for you personally i mean i get that for you it was a big year for jazz but i feel like even on like end of year stuff it was just a big year for horns in general. I feel like as as rock music is trying to figure out what it is, there's just a lot of more uh, fifth wave ska. Of jazz. Are, are, that, are we advocating for what, what are we on the mighty sixth, mighty seventh wave? Was, <laughs> mighty Mighty Boston's just the Dippin' Dots of rock music. We we didn't know. I actually saw a Dippin' Dots truck the other day, and I was like, "You are now the ice cream of the past, my friends. You are no longer the <laughs> you're ice no longer cream the ice cream of the future. future. You are no longer the ice cream of the future." Um. So I I enjoyed the sound. If I was trying to impress a music nerd friend of mine, I would probably be like, <laughs> oh, have you ever heard this? Also, I believe you that John Dwyer seems like a nice guy. Having nine variations of basically the same band name strikes me as like yes, a pretentious Yes, it, it is very, it is very not, funny. I, it, I don't understand where they're – like if you look up the, the history of the OC's band's names, yes. uh, there's a lot of them. And I think, it, OCs, I think it has to do – yeah, go for it. Yeah, it, there, there's a lot of variations on exactly the same band name, but I don't know if there's an explanation for I think that, it has to do with members coming and going and the sound they're going for, because, like, they've been through a lot of phases of, like, like some of it's, like, heavy garage, some of it's kind of, like, a little more, like, indie, and then some of it's, like, just total noise randomness, and then some of it's, like, punk, like, straight up. So I, I think, like, it has – it does have some bearing on something, but I would say a casual fan would not yeah. – uh, like, it's not a friendly way to be introduced to a band. You'd be like, oh, yeah, you have to find, like – 10 different releases under six different names. Like, good luck. But I still, yeah, that, I was still kind, that was kind of, that was kind of daunting in trying to get context for it. But no, I feel like for me, the, the majority of all music falls into a category of you put it on for me and I enjoy it, but it's hard for me to think about like throwing it on a playlist of my own in my own time. And that's, that's where this album was for me. Like give it a big thumbs up for when I'm listening to it, but not something that was, uh, stuck in my head totally makes sense so that was again john dwyer with which egg check it out if you're into some funky jazzy fusion beats uh, and we're going to move on to paul's number nine my number nine album this is a band i've been really enjoying for the past couple of years it's a kyoto based uh japanese band called trico t-r-i-c-o-t and there we're going to hear the third track off their new album jodeki yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> 
So this is a band that they released three albums since the beginning of 2021. And yep. their sound has been just really hitting this perfect balance for me. Kind of talking about how bands are labeled, I see Trico referred to a lot as math rock. And math rock, I think, is a really slippery term where some people use it to refer to bands like uh, you know, Animals as Leaders or Chone or these kinds of like really virtuosic like extremely for the 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 people who are the best in the world at their instruments but fail to produce anything that i remotely want to listen to yes um it is an interesting confluence like, of fantastic playing and not fantastic songwriting for me personally. yes it is it is uh, you can be impressed by virtuosity and just not impressed by songwriting at all and sometimes math rock is kind of any rock music where they like ever change the time signature <laughs> in the song or like ever try anything interesting in terms of guitar rhythms and textures. But for me, this is just um, a band of four really talented musicians who um, do interesting things with their rhythms, who do interesting things with their guitar patterns not in a virtuosic uh, look pushing the envelope way, but just in a really pleasant and interesting way. But uh, the vocals are uh, more kind of uh, bubblegum J-Rock could throw it on the end of an anime. And that's yeah, have, just, they done that's a, a, have they done an opening or a closing? Because like, I feel like I don't know. I need to see if they've ever done. Um, the, the, tr the one we just played was definitely on the harsher end of the vocals. Um, and I don't know for, for stuff that's easy for me to listen to that, that mix of like slightly harsher and more difficult rock sound with slightly more bubblegummy vocals is just a real sweet spot that I'm always going to enjoy. And Trico have done a really good job at it. I will say that I like this album a lot. Their last album of 2021 called 10, I loved, and that might've been my favorite album of last year. Um, Will, how did this album hit you? Wait, so you liked a different album from them more than this one? Yeah, no, I I, I liked the the album of last year. I I absolutely loved. Oh, no, you sorry, mean of, of I 2020. Mean, 2020. Sorry. Okay, uh, I was yes, about to say. Well, then why the, didn't you put well, that? Why did you do that? That makes no <laughs> sense. They had an album in like December 2020 that I really really loved. Yeah, I mean, I so I like uh, Trico. Um, from the song that you shared with me, the Potage or Port Portage or whatever, yes, it, was on a, it was on a list that you had uh, uh, when we used to do uh, playlists, um, like in 2020 with a couple of our friends, we, we sort of would make different playlists. Yeah, I, that I, think, was on... I think I made a micro genre list of uh, yeah. female fronted J rock bands. Dude, and that song, like, fucking rules. I it love does. that Potage song. Potage so rules. It, I had a hard time because, like, this is going to sound dumb, but, like, I just, the whole time I was like, well, this isn't Portage. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> Like, I like this album, and I thought there were, like, cool things about it, um, but, like, it is, you know, kind of similar to what you were saying about the John Dwyer one. Like, it's a sound that is not, that I am not attuned to enough to be able to distinguish, like, big differences between the songs. And when, like, sometimes I would kind of get a little lost in in the length of the album, and I would just be like, man, I just want to listen to Portage. And then I would throw that on and be like, yeah. or whatever the fuck that, like, well, I don't even you'll know. Have the exact, you'll have that exact same opinion about my favorite album of the year. So yes. we'll get to that. But I, I um, really, uh, I really enjoyed yeah. it. Um, I think, like, they are, to me, like, the very edge of mathiness that, like, if they were, like, plus one their mathiness, it, I would, it would be too much for me. But, like, they are, right. they are just listenable enough um, that I'm into it, but, but you know, sort of like you were saying, it's just one of those things that it's not, like, the sound I go to. So, so like, since you introduced me to a favorite of that sound that I don't go to, I'm like, right. well, only room in my heart for this now. Like, get, get, get I, I will it. say, this, this album is definitely on the looser, messier side of their sounds. The album The, which Potage is off of, and Ten from the end of last year are a little bit more uh, curated or restrained version of that. Yeah, sound. I felt like so they were like, you... this one felt like a little bit more like, let's get in some room and like, let's get in a room, bust out some some kind of punk songs with like, with, you know, right. their their turn on the formula. Whereas like Potage has like sections that it switches to and like, like it felt like yes. a little more structurally and like in, in its length, it was, it just spoke to me a little more. Yeah. So I was like, oh, if they were, if they did an album of that, then I would be so down. Yeah. And uh, 
Kida Motifor, who's the guitarist, I mean, she just has some guitar phrasing on those other albums that is some of my favorite. Like, yeah, she can really uh, play the fuck out of guitar. guitar. <laughs> like for Yeah, <laughs> guitar licks I've, I've ever heard. And while this is one of those things where this album is still in the eight range for me, where these this band has albums in the nine range for me. Yeah, and I'm glad that you turned me on to them because they are a band that I yeah. like, want to keep They're a cool band. knowing cool about. Ladies. Turns out, yeah. Turns out they can jam. Cool ladies and one boy from Kyoto. Oh, nice. So that was Trico... Uh, and what was the album? Uh, according to Google Translate, is uh, Jodeki, which Jode- means Jodeki. good perform. Jodeki, which means good performance. Yes, you should know good if job. you're looking at Trico that most of their song titles and uh, are going to be in Japanese script. So Japanese. it's going it's going to be difficult. It might be difficult for you to ascertain what exactly. You I just I, I really like recording an album. It's like what do you mean? Uh, good performance. Good Great performance. job, us. Good job, us. Nice. So uh, Paul's number nine. Now time for my number nine. It is a band called Horsey. Uh, and the album is called Debonair. And I'm going to play a little bit of the uh, back end of the first track, Sippy Cup, which I um, really enjoyed um, sort of the build up and stuff from. And we're going to hear that now. So there's Sippy yes. Cup. Yes. Woo. By Horsey. Horsey. I, 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 um, so I will say, I, spoiler I apologize. Alert. I might've peaked there. I apologize. Oh no. Spoiler alert. I think that song is like better than anything else on the album <laughs> by like a decent margin. Like there are other good this, things on the album. Was, sometimes you listen to an album and you're like the first four songs on this album yes. are a pretty great EP. And then they could have like, this album is front loaded. So, so Horsey is a band from, uh, London, England, um, that formed in 2016. And the, I kind of like, didn't know them before this year, but what I didn't realize is their bass player is Jack Marshall, who is the brother of Archie Marshall, King Cruel. I don't know if you know King Cruel, if you ever listened to him, Paul. Like, I was uh, really different. Different than King Crimson. Different than King Crimson by about okay fifty years, and but both <laughs> both British, I believe. Um, okay, but uh, I really like King Cruel a lot. Like, I was listening to him back when like he was called like a zoo kid, like when we were in college, like 2012 or something like that. He's putting out stuff. He's this really like funny kind of like skinny ginger guy with like an insanely deep voice, like real British kind of uh, interesting stuff. And anyway, his, his brother plays bass in this. And in fact, uh, King Cruel uh, does Archie Marshall does uh, guest vocals on the final song on this debonair album um, called uh, sea, uh, seahorse. Yeah. So I think that like, for a debut, this has a lot of promise. I think that there are, like, half the songs I really enjoyed, and then there's, like, a solid three songs in the back, like, third that I think are, like, straight bad, like, just straight misses, and, and that, like, offsets it to some extent to me. But I would say, like, it reminds me of... It, it, the, the, the lead singer has, like, a real kind of cool theatricality to him, and, like, occasionally he reminds me of Black Francis from, like, the Pixies, or from Pixies. I think, like, he has, like a lot of control going from kind of like, you know, more like crooner stuff to kind of like shouty, screamy things. And I really like that um, kind of transition. And then, uh, you know, it, it's kind of is like a noise rock post-punky kind of thing underneath that from the band. I think there is a keyboard player in it. And I think the albums that are keyboard led are way weaker. Or the songs that are keyboard led are way weaker than the songs that are guitar led. But like, I just kind of put this on here because I think Horsey is a band that's worth looking into, um, checking them out. This is their debut. They're pretty young dudes. Um, uh, and I'd like to see what they get up to next, and uh, hopefully something that's a little more, um, you know, guitar forward for me. Um, what did you think? I, I I don't know how um how this one hit you. Um, I'm going to well, j- just like you pointed out, there's there's a real skill in singing. I think to be able to transition from like crooning to yelling, and I also think that like in in the instrumentals, there's a real skill in being able to be like. They're very clean and very loud at the same time. Yeah, it's time, crazy how, like, they feel very clean and it... produced, but then still go into, yeah. like, blah, 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 which I like. <laughs> well, I think it's a real skill. It's something that, like, it can be some of my very favorite rock music. It's stuff that, like, sounds very clean, but is also very loud. And, like, it's, to, to steal a comment that I saw about a, a later album on this list, um, at times, to me, this album felt like a, like Jens Lechman was yelling out the window at hostage negotiators. It does have a Jens, some... Jens Lechman kind of vibe to it, which well, I'm, it, I'm down for. I like, I like him. Yeah, it, sometimes it feels like uh, deranged Jens Lechman, and sometimes it feels like deranged Father John Misty, where I could imagine like Father John Misty yelling out the window at hostage negotiators. 
Um, so yeah, I, I kind of, it, it first hit my ears as exactly that as a kind of whacked out loud, um, you know, kind of Joker twisted version. Yes. Of, and I think that the worst like parts of this album go to that place. Like there's a song that's called yes. clown and it's just like, and it's very like circusy, yes. like I'm the clown. Blah! And I was like, I, this is so lame. I don't. Care Which sounds like it was like written for the Joker movie. Yes, it, <laughs> it, like it, yeah. it gen- they get, they get like, they verge into that territory of just like, Oh, we're so kooky, clowny Joker boys. And I'm like, ah, go get away from that, please. Yeah. I, I, but there are songs on this that I really, really enjoyed. And we were talking about this. We keep, over the past month, we've kept having conversations about music, and we have to be like, no, save it for the podcast. Don't talk about this too much. <laughs> but th- there's a there's a certain floor, there's a certain level of enjoyment I can reach on an album with almost any number of songs I don't like. Like, like yeah, as long as bangers like exist, some, then it will. Yes, like really good bangers to, can get an album pretty high for me, and this is definitely in that category where I agree with you. There are some just bad songs. Yes, on this there, album. there's like three straight, and the and, problem is they're like in a row yeah. and towards the back and so it really kills the yes. momentum so at, at a point where you kind of just give up on the album yes. i think if you're not yes required in fact i would almost recommend it, it. But... the problem is that like seahorse yes. which has king cruel on it is like kind of good again so like, so like it's a weird right. like it dips and then it, it has some redeeming aspects but like you would you could safely dip out after like the fourth or fifth song on on uh, right. that album and, and feel pretty good about it <laughs> so well, uh yeah, but horsey the, the, the bangers are real bangers and you can you could really sell me on um you know messed out uh Jens Lachman. Yeah, I, I think it has like like many things on my list. It has potential. I'm I want to see where yes. these where these lads go. The lovable, lovable lads from Liverpool, uh, and, and just and like see, you see will. The, yeah, you have potential. I, yeah, well, I might be <laughs> past that point. <laughs> uh, so number nine, Horsey Debonair. No, that was number eight. Sorry, we're gonna go into Paul's uh, number eight. Eight. Uh, my number eight. So will. If you think that the best, most solid era of hip hop was late ninety, <laughs> late eighties, early nineties East Coast hip hop, then you might like my number eight, uh, the Haram from Armand Hammer and the Alchemist, and we're gonna hear from track f- six, Aubergine. Just return from the journey. I sent brothers to the store, I keep shining in the cupboard, I'm stubborn, I am my mother's love, measured in eye droppers, burnt rubber from the coppers, the eye doctor left shock, my third eye don't believe me, just watch my chakras, shots pop in the hills of Caracas, Negroes shoot for the top, always had poor posture, traps packed with dead lobsters, bottom feeders, don't think grappa, basic penne a la vodka, you order off the menu, chef handmade me lockers, I don't care, I don't be counting niggas' pockets. So, I mean, a lot of my intro'd uh, Makami applies to this, even though the albums sound very different. Like Are you the... just, like, simping for me, trying to, like, get get me to like your list, <laughs> including all these East Coast, like, throwback hip-hop stuff? <laughs> I mean, this this is an album. I mean, if if you are a rap album that at times reminds me of Wu Tang and at other time reminds me of Mad Villainy, then like you're kind of a hip hop album I'm going to love. True. And I mean, this is a rap duo from New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, the duo it's uh, Billy Woods and Euclid are the two rappers that make up Armand Hammer. And really uh, great, Alchemist. fantastic name, by the way. Armand Hammer is Armand, is, is just Armand Hammer is a guy, though. He's like some weird, like, 50s industrialist who like made baking soda or something. Oh, you mean not, not like, the cannibal who's in Call Me By Your Name? No, Army Hammer? No, sorry. no, that's a different guy. Um, we don't know for sure that he's ever actually eaten a human being well. Okay, amateur, an- amateur cannibal enthusiast. Amateur, uh, <laughs> aspiring, aspiring cannibal. cannibal to be. I mean, hey, I, I still think he's hot. You know, whatever. I mean, let him eat your liver. You know, he's a babe. <laughs> um, that is a joke. I'm but required to say. Le- for legal purposes, that's a that joke. We're going to cut that out. Um, I just, I love a hip hop duo. There's something about being able to trade between deliveries that keeps an album really dynamic for me. The wordplay is really good. The discovery, the delivery is really clear. Um, as someone who sometimes has trouble parsing hip hop lyrics, just really readable delivery is a big deal for me. And the Alchemist, he's a really good producer, a really prolific producer. And I mean, sometimes it sounds like he's making Mad Lib beats on this. I mean, the song Chicharron is farther down really is like a grimy Mad Lib beat that I loved. And yeah, I think a lot of what I said before, uh, this is a kind of album you can make over and over and over again, where it's 
really solid, really listenable, but not overpowering beats, clever rhymes. Uh, if you like hip hop, I think you'll like it. Will, how did you feel about uh, Our Man Tammer? Uh, I feel like I'm going to sound like a broken record, but it reminded me a lot of uh, Mac Homie, which which I was like, this is cool. I like it. Uh, yeah. And, like I, um, I, I really enjoyed, like you were saying, the the sort of the beats, but like a little more exploratory with like you know the kind of the nods to like Mad Lib or more adventurous producers. Yeah. Um, the 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 beats are definitely. I mean, that's why this is higher for me. Yeah, it's the, the more beats are definitely than... better on this album, and I mean that's. That's why the Alchemist is listed as one of the creators because, like, his name does carry that cachet, and it shows why you want him on your project. Yeah, and I feel like for me, it's like I—that's not something I look for in rap stuff. And I also feel like this guy's um, delivery is like a little more like jagged, and which is cool. Like, it's it's more like I don't know, forward or real or whatever the term would be. Yeah. But like for me, I prefer a little more laid back. So like, it didn't hit me quite the same way as I as I like some of. Um, my hip hop, it was like a little bit pushing in a different direction, but like I can see that like the, the skill in it, and I, I think it is cool. Um, uh, it's just not like you know where I go to. Yeah, I mean, I I love the uh, the East Coast MCs who you always feel like they're up in your face when they're yes. rapping. I feel like Ghostface really does that. Jay Z is really capable of that. Biggie Smalls, like it is more aggressive, is really capable of that. Where it it almost gives you the physical experience of someone like getting up like. like <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're gonna cut that out. Get spit, get uh, spit your, on your face. Yeah, in your person, in your personal space, and um, I, I think this duo really, really has that. Especially, I mean, they're both for a duo. Their sound is much closer to each other. I mean, some duos like Outcast, Run the Jewels, have extremely different sounds. Um, you might have to listen to this a couple times before you can tell who's rapping on what. But I still think they it allows you kind of alternate between that more a little bit more on the back foot and then a little bit more aggressive in a way I like. And right so yeah, well, number eight. What's your number eight? My number eight. I'm going to do my best to not destroy the pronunciation of this. It is a uh, Afrique Victime <laughs> by Mado Mokhtar. How is that close? Afrique. I I need to listen to more videos to know. If the M is silent, silent, or, yeah, no, I don't know no how much of that M is supposed to produce. Nor do <laughs> I. But either that... way, it is uh, it is some slick psych bluesy desert rock stuff, and we're gonna hear sort of the end of the title track, um, Afrik Victim. I think I guess that's how you say it. Um, and some of the kind of like the uh, the solo stuff on that right now. So, dude can fucking tread, like, for real, definitely. I really like his guitar playing a lot. <laughs> um, he is a, uh, a band leader. This is sort of a band that's been around for a while. And the musical style that's listed online is a Tushur Maren, which is an outgrowth of Talrig music, which is like a traditional, I think, I think this is, they're from uh, Niger. North um, Africa. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of like this weird kind of thing. I was into some of this music um, when we were in college about, like, 10-ish years ago. Um, and it kind of is like this, it's like this weird confluence of really cool blues stuff, but then like DIY kind of ramshackly um, electric, like rock psych boogie stuff over it in, in a way that I think is like really cool and appealing. And I would encourage you to um, look up this band on YouTube because there's just like a kick-ass like 50 minute show where they just like roll up yes. to oh a my small God, town. It's so you know what I'm talking cool, about? It's so yeah. good. And oh, they just like so cool. roll up to a small town, like have like, they're just amps and guitars that are just kind of like thrown together with whatever. And just like play this show for a bunch of like people in this, in this small village and like the kids and, and the kids and stuff. And just like fucking jam out for, for like an hour. And, and it's so cool. And like, it feels so real, like authentic to me. And so uh, like, it really is trying to express something, which I look for in, in music. And so they've been around for a while. They put out a couple albums. This was the first one that was on my radar, frankly, because it was uh, released by Matador, which is like a big indie label in the U.S. And I feel as though 
that also pushed them in the recording to be uh, both a higher fidelity and also kind of go for like a more distorted, more psych rock solo-y kind of thing, which, which to me is where I kind of land a little bit more than like some of the other stuff on the album is like a little bit more acoustic chanty things, which, which I think are, are cool and they give a lot of nice balance to the album. But like, if it was an album of just that, it wouldn't, it wouldn't totally catch my um, attention, but like having those kind of like really like long form kind of psych freak out stuff like that is totally in my wheelhouse. Um, and I, I think these guys are just total badasses. I mean, just go watch that video, like for real, if you get a chance, because um, they just seem like they are loving every second of it, and they just play the shit out of their instruments, and you can really, you know, see that they're into it. So uh, I know, I know you yeah, I have like some it... dabbling with this kind of uh, stuff as well, Paul. Were you into this? Yeah, I, I feel like you really sell this album to to fish fans, you know, like anyone who likes any kind of the kind of sack rock. No, I mean, it, yeah, you do have no, to you just, have to be into kind of jamminess a little bit, you know. It does it does meander to some extent. I think I think this is where we get you know Twitter people calling us too woke and that we're letting it get in the way. But I don't know, like you grow up, um, you grow up kind of sheltered American, and I think you just don't really imagine Africa as a continent that is like capable of like generating their own musical styles and traditions but then you like dip your toe into it and um i mean it's it's a full continent full of people and they yeah are, like, i think of like african music in general styles. as being very like rhythmically based and so like and, yes. and i am not that much i tend to look for melody more than rhythm in a lot of my music so like this is such a cool you know crossroads for me where it's like it has that you know rhythmic influence and groove but then it also has the kind of like the the slightly westernized like psych rocks like melody kind of aspects to it well yeah i mean you have like you know like steve wright goes to africa and he's like well fuck melody like i'm just gonna make let's uh, just clap like whole <laughs> al- let's just like i'm gonna make whole albums of just clapping now but yeah all that to say um it's been really eye-opening to kind of realize what a deep and creative tradition of african like blues jazz rock guitar playing there is but i mean this album fucking rocks this was very close to making my top 10 this dude can really really play and there's like the the drumming style on that uh snippet that you played the kind of like galloping like yeah and then like you can really tell where it kind of like pushes the band forward too and then they kind of like start yeah and you're just like oh like you it's like you can feel them talking to each other musically which is like so fucking cool it's and it's almost an optical illusion like you see those gifs where you feel like it's looping but you always feel like you're like going deeper and deeper into it it's like that drumming for me Increase that effect where like even when they're keeping the same tempo i always feel like we're getting faster and faster and so kind of the opposite of the john dwyer album um i mean this this album has very long stretches of just psychedelic guitar playing but um i did not get tired yeah of it. I and i, I definitely really... think like if you you know if you if you are like me and a lot of your kind of indie fandom rests in like lo-fi kind of guitar rock stuff like you probably know the matter order label trust the Matador label like they know what they're doing this is a great album like I, yeah. I i would highly recommend it you know like again one of those things that's not for everyone but but if you have the same kind of like uh, american indie guitar based rock leanings as me i think this is like a a, a total banger and uh, definitely something that should be on everybody's yeah, I, radar. I, I think all i was trying to say earlier is that like it's not a world rock gimmick it's not like oh yeah a, yes absolutely oh, isn't this isn't isn't this interesting this guy african tar like no it's just like really really good guitar yeah. music like it just fucking shreds it doesn't matter where he's from or or, or anything yeah. it's, it's just a, it's just a sick album <laughs> so that was uh, all right madu mokhtar with the uh, africa victim i hope i didn't say the name too too wrong but uh yeah check it out and now for maybe uh, the biggest whiplash of our list let's go <laughs> to my number seven uh spelling the turning wheel He's a bird, he's a king, he can swim with his wings like an arrow. He's a bird, he's a king, he can swim with his wings like an arrow. He's a bird, he's a king, he can swim with his wings like an arrow. Like this. That is tasty. So uh, something completely different. This is The Turning Wheel, which is, I believe, the third album by California artist Spelling with three L's. And um, like a lot of internet music people, 
uh, you're on Reddit and you see that Anthony Fantano <laughs> has given an album a ten. And it's that's rare, people. News. It's rare. It's a big thing. It's rare. You don't you don't see that many. Oh, that, it's becoming more frequent though. He had two this um, year, so mm, I don't know, Melon. You know, pick it up. <laughs> oh no, Melon. Uh, so it, it's always a big deal. And I mean, I'll, the first time I listened to this album based on that recommendation, I was kind of like, what the fuck is this? I don't get this. Interesting. But that's funny. Uh, listening to it again after seeing it on year end list, there's just something really engrossing about this album. I think, I mean, the best way to describe it would be experimental orchestral pop. Um, yeah, I think like personally, I relate it very heavily to Kate Bush, which is that kind of like female led, yes. like slightly like pro- prog pop. I would almost say like it, it like it has prog all pop, elements sure. of, of that kind of thing. Um, but there's just not a lot that sounds like this album. Um, I will say one of the things that did interfere with my enjoy my enjoyment of it is I believe she has the exact delivery of claudio sanchez from uh coheed oh, cambria you had mentioned that <laughs> so can we cut in uh five <laughs> seconds of welcome home from coheed and cambria here we'll do it in post we'll do it I'll in cut post. it in, in post <laughs> but i just i could not get that out of my head and coheed and cambria is a band i love but it's a very silly band and it made uh this album sillier what are you uh, what are you ta- the deepening part four search for an inner earth that that's nothing silly about <laughs> that's that a very serious that's a, that's a very serious that's a very album. serious thing you know he wrote like a massive yes. whacked out series yes. of comic books to go along with all his yeah. albums. He's like the L. Ron Hubbard of, uh, of prog rock. He is, he is the king of. Plus, nerds. he's got cool <laughs> hair, so it's, it's pretty. He sweet. has very cool hair. Um, but yeah, we, well, you and I had a funny exchange when we were talking about this album. Yeah, it's funny. Like I really like the first half of this album. I think like the first like five songs. Up actually, which okay, so I'm gonna call. I'm not gonna call you out, but I'm gonna question you because originally you had picked a different clip for. Um, your favorite yes. piece, which, which was from The Boys at School, which is the song where, upon, I stopped liking the album. Like, from that song onward, <laughs> I don't care for the album. This song that you picked uh, is my last one that I really enjoy, so I'm surprised you, you switched it up, because I thought Boys at School was the one that was, like, your, your real banger for you. Um, we'll discuss, I think, the perils of trying to pick a part later, but, like... Yes, it's difficult. Um, yeah, Boys at School is one of those songs where it's such a build-up song. Yeah, it's like eight hard minutes, to so pick, it has a lot of It's hard to pick a snippet of the song that shows what I love about the song, where, like, this clip of Emperor with an Egg, I just felt like was the best 30 seconds to show how wonderfully weird and yeah. engrossing I, I, uh, this album is. I'm totally into this album. This was on my um, year-end list originally, but it kind of, like, moved away when I listened to a little bit more stuff. But I, I think still, like, I, I could put this um, on, on sort of the back end of mine. Um, the first, like, five songs, like, The Future is so good. Um, I, I don't know, I don't remember what the other uh, names of the other ones, but I, I really the, like I mean, the opener is a, is Yeah, a Little banger. Deer is amazing. Turning Wheel is good. The Future, Awaken, Emperor with an Egg. Like, it's so good. Like I said, if you like Kate Bush and that kind of, like, progressive pop electronic um kind of adventurous production stuff i think this was put out by sacred bones um the record label uh, that this was put out on which does, i believe like, a that lot of... is that her label I it is not was... but it is a okay. it, it does a lot of adventurous cool music that i and i've listened to in the past pretty extensively um and i think it's a good fit for her and i'm 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 totally into it um and i'm i'm happy that uh i'm happy that you put this on your list because i'm happy yeah, to be able no, to I mean, talk she, about it at the end of the year because i think it's really good she, she seems like a super cool lady. She's doing a lot of really interesting music. And I think, you know, um, it, it's worth it to challenge your ears to stuff that you uh, aren't used to listening to. But it's a we're, we're getting we're getting more into I really try to kind of be. Um, what's the word objective about this in terms of like, OK, I listened to a bunch of year end stuff and then after it had calmed down, what did I find myself wanting yeah, to come back, back to. and listen mm-hmm. to again? And we're getting to the albums where, like, okay, like, after I had finished listening to an album, I was kind of like, I want to hear Little Deer again. I'm just yeah. going to put that on. No, I, I would say, like, three or four of the songs on that album have already made it into my, like, big shuffles playlist of just yeah. things I like. So, um, yeah, I'm very excited to see what, you know, she, where she goes next because uh, I think that's a really great record. Yeah. And that was Refresh Our Memory again? That was The Turning Wheel by Spelling with three L's. I also like it because that's almost my name. Whoa. Self-docs. Close. (laughs) Watch out. All right. So my next record is uh, Carnage by Nick Cave and Warren Ellis. 
Uh, we're going to hear a little snippet of, I'm not sure which part exactly. Allow me to find it real quick. <laughs> amazing and so are you. This morning is 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 amazing and so are you. You are languid and lonely and lazy and what doesn't kill you just makes you crazier so carnage from nick cave and warren ellis nick cave uh of the bad seeds and the birthday party previously uh probably like one of the preeminent australian indie artists of all time uh really like him warren ellis um is collaborator also in the bad seeds um but they put this out as just like a nick cave warren ellis album which they do a lot of uh soundtracks um to kind of like moody Stuff they did like the um the man who shot the was it the coward that shot Jesse James I, I I should see that movie but I, I haven't seen it yet um but this was the one that they put out this year if you follow Nick Cave at all you know that a, n- a number of years ago I'd say four or five years ago his young teen son uh, died like totally unexpectedly and pretty tragically and it's really colored his music uh, significantly. <laughs> Um, like, I think a lot of his earlier stuff, like, he's always been sort of, like, this morbid, like, some of his album titles are, like, murder ballads and, like, about funerals and stuff. Like, it's, it is, a, he kind of has always had this, like, kind of macabre uh, 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 morbidity to him. Um, but I think in the wake of his son dying, it's become, like, a little more grounded for me. And I like a lot of his music from, out, for, uh, from you know, different phases in his life, but... Uh, I, th- I would say, like, I don't think that this album does anything particularly new. I think it is just kind of, like, a very good example of an elder statesman of alternative music, like, aging gracefully. And that, that's kind of, like, where I put it on here is, like, I don't think it's going to... If you didn't like Nick Cave before, this will not change your mind. You know, it, it is very much in his, like, wheelhouse. But I think, like, his ability to convey, you know emotion through lyrics and whatever he is channeling when he performs and sings and stuff like it, it really connects with me and I, I mean i don't know it connects with a lot of people um so yeah i mean i i don't know that it's his best album um but i think i am happy that he is this many you know 40 plus 50 years into his career and is still making things that are like emotionally resonant and, and i think um um you know still play and, and communicate something um so uh yeah carnage nick cave and warren ellis paul What'd you think about this one? Uh, this album didn't super grab me, so I might just be in the genre of people who don't. I'd never heard Nick Cave before this, mm-hmm. and I mean, I I, I can't deny. Um, I don't know the 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 pathos, the kind of like emotion, <laughs> like, like sadness is the word. Like he is able to yes, uh, he, really he communicates a it lot yeah, pretty pretty powerfully of sadness. I mean, it's you know it's really able to communicate a lot of sadness in his voice and like i don't know maybe if i was in a sadness and music can be really cathartic but maybe i just was just in a place where like that wasn't the kind of catharsis i was looking for um but for whatever reason i i you know i was i was kind of at a remove while listening to this album where i wasn't like really getting emotionally invested in the way that i think he wants me yeah, to. Yeah, I, I think it's. Like, I'm, I'm impressed by this delivery, but I'm not really in it with the. Yeah, with there's the, sort of the, like a know, uh, with him. I feel Nebraska like there's a buy-in. On steroids. Yeah, there's like a buy-in, and if you don't like, like there's some level of like whatever it is, suspension or of disbelief or or thing where you're just like, okay, I'm gonna let this do this to me at this moment, and if you're not like down to have that happen, it like I could see it just totally passing anybody by and being like, I don't understand this at all, and so like I I totally totally get that. Um, yeah, I think I think I think over the course of this podcast, I'm going to mention Bruce Springsteen a lot. But like, there are times when I would tell you that Nebraska is my second favorite Bruce Springsteen album. And if I'm in one of those moods and I listen to this, I will probably be like, "Oh no, this is actually this great." Is, yeah. But then, <laughs> like, to my soul. <laughs> all, yeah, all the other times where I'm like, "No, Born to Run's the best Bruce Springsteen album," then I would probably be like, "Oh, this isn't really grabbing me." So, um, you know, if I don't know if it. 
if some real tragedy befalls me, I will come back to this <laughs> yes. album. When your teen son that you don't have dies yeah. tragically, I, I, I was like, I don't even want to conjure up a, an example of a tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> I know it, it is it is a bummer. Um, yeah, Nick Cave, interesting guy. Uh, seems like a really thoughtful, well-spoken guy. He's written screenplays, writes articles, and stuff. He's a he's a smart, uh, provocative, interesting dude. And uh, Nick Cave and Warren Ellis, Carnage. Check it out if you are into the Nick Cave vibes. What's next for you? Next, next time I want to go watch Graver the Fireflies, I'll listen to that. Yes, this would be good soundtrack music for that. I don't think it would be. Yes, it would. As the, as the two children die in front of you, and he's like, I don't think it would be. I don't think the fact so that they're you. both sad means that it would be a good soundtrack for a classic anime. Spoiler alert um, for Graver the Fireflies. Them kids be dying. And now for another massive total switch, we're going to go to my number six at this point. We're at six. Yep. Correct. We're going to go to my number six, and this is Jubilee from Japanese Breakfast. And let's hear a little bit of the single Be Sweet. That is a song that is going to get stuck in your head if yes. you let it. I have been that like just real... randomly at different times. I'll be like, I wanna believe in you. I love it so much. <laughs> I will be like, I, I will have to catch myself in court hearings, like under my breath, like be sweet to, and like I'm on mic, like be sweet to me, baby. Um, this is uh, Japanese Breakfast, the band of Michelle Zahner, who's a Korean American. This is she's been doing. Um, with this band for a while she recently wrote a book about the death of her mother um, she's really been killing it lately she uh, directs all of her very charming music videos she did the soundtrack and... for sable this year too which was like a really cool uh like indie game um, yeah um so she's she's popping up is and it's, it's great to see will um a couple of my albums all fit into a, a kind of a niche and what did you describe it as sad girl sophista pop <laughs> Yes, well noted that some of my favorite albums of this year are uh, Sad Girl Sophistapop. You know, that's an interesting and... thing for you to say for this, though, because like I read an interview where she specifically said like the intention of this album is joy to get away from the sadness of her previous albums. But it, it still has the kind of cutting backhandedness. That yes, I it does. It does have with that. <laughs> like the, I was at the, my introduction to this subgenre um, and uh, someone I've seen live, someone I really adore is Mitski, who um, Puberty 2 is an amazing album. Uh, Your Best American Girl is kind of the song I most associate with this kind of uh, sad girl pop rock that is really witty, really cutting, um, and uh, just really musically wonderful and talented. Um, especially on that song, Be Sweet, I do think this album is a little lighter. I think on Be Sweet, she's almost channeling churches with the chorus. And like Mitski plus churches is just a combo I really like. Yeah, that but is a good combo. At the end, posing for cars, she kind of hits some more, you know, wonderful guitar outro. Um, Savage Good Boy is a very funny song about the um, incel fantasy of a woman turning to you at the apocalypse. Um <laughs> And yeah, it's, this is just a fun album, you know, uh, kind of some of these albums are more difficult than others. This album goes down easy, but I don't mean that to diminish it. It's, it she's not less talented. Yeah, it's highly listenable. Just making for just making a, she, she's not less musically uh, advanced for making a highly listenable album. Yeah, I, I really I have mixed feelings on it. Like, I feel like a lot of the production is like a little too. It's polished for me a little like it has like kind of a little bit layer of like like some of the guitars even in that track are like like they kind of have just like a layer of like (laughs) shinsiness to me that i like can't quite get through but i think like i i I do like pieces of that i think she writes slam bang amazing choruses like almost every song on there even when i don't love the production or like kind of like the bridges or or like the verse parts are are don't always like capture me 
I just find myself like humming along or thinking about the choruses on like two or three of, of the songs of that album. And like, it's not even an album that I listen to that much, you know, and, but like, they are just freaking earworms. Like, I don't know that like her whole aesthetic is my thing, but like when she writes a chorus, she knows what she is doing. And uh, I think it's like one of the catchiest pop, you know, writers that I can think of. Like, it's so good. And I think kind of important for album structure, because part of what we want to do on this app, on this podcast is kind of talk about the album as the artifact of music as, you know, over our lifetimes, the song has emerged as more kind of the listen, the main listening unit. Um, but I think we're both really invested in kind of what it means to listen to a whole album as an artistic statement. And really importantly for that, um, this album starts really strong and ends really song strong. Like mm. Paprika and Be Sweet are really they're so good ways to open this album and posing for cars i think is a really strong way to end the album and that really helps me because I, I wouldn't say i love every song on this album but the fact that it starts and ends strong really helps me consume the whole artifact as an album and not as like four or five songs i like and then some other songs that i don't yeah no i i, I, t- I totally agree i think uh she uh She's got a bright future, that lady. I mean, she's already yeah. so much more than I will ever do in my life. <laughs> Condescending white men with a podcast. No. <laughs> she is a she. She would kick my ass all up and down. Uh, I like. I just yeah. love the title of her book. Uh, is it crying in H Mart? I think that's like such a fun, yes. good, good title. Uh, so she's. I mean, she's really fun in like interviews. She's like, yes, uh, I know my real fans because I'm Korean. But a lot of my fans think I'm Japanese. Japanese, yeah. <laughs> because I don't, because I titled my band Japanese Breakfast. Yeah, I was wondering about like um like Paprika. Is that a reference to the Satoshi Kon like anime, like the movie Paprika? And I was like, I wonder. I mean, I would. I I, I hope I have so. No idea. Um, but it's a it's a gem. So that was a uh, remind us one Satoshi more time. Satoshi can't make a bad movie more like. Actually, true. True. Satoshi has not being alive no more more like. <laughs> It's real, real drag that he got died him. so young. Got, got him. him. Got, got him. him. Uh, yeah, so Japanese Breakfast, uh, and the album was Jubilee. Jubilee. Sweet. Next up on my list is the band Birds of Maya with the album Valdez. And let's hear a clip from the sort of centerpiece, middle of the album, Recessinator. At least that's how I think you would say it. Birds of Maya, Valdez. I really like this record. Um, this is a, uh, a bit, I believe a band from Philadelphia, actually. And this was recorded like seven years ago. It was recorded in 2014 um, and just put out now. So I don't know what that says about 2021 or music or me or what, you know, maybe I'm over the hill and I'm trying to recapture my 2014 years or something. But uh, I really like this record. Um, it's like super scuzzy. Reminds me of like the Stooges, just like, some fucking garage rock, just fuzzed out, scuzzed out, gross, like nasty kind of stuff. Um, and especially like if you could hear in that kind of clip where it goes from one thing to another thing, I think they had to do like a really good job of like, these could be kind of like boring, straightforward garage rock songs, but a lot of them are closer to like eight to nine minutes, which might be a boring garage rock song for a lot of people. But I feel like they have like different sections or they'll trans, they'll switch kind of pieces of the song around and it'll kind of like throw you for a loop and keep you guessing a little bit. Um, yeah. And I just love that. Like, you know, like I was saying that, that super fuzzed out gross, like Stooges esque garage punk thing. And, uh, I think they do it well. The only thing I don't love about this album is like, I'm not the hugest fan of the singing. Some of the songs are instrumentals and those kind of like go down a little smoother for me. There's some singing in it and I don't think it's anything to write home about, but, um, 
I think overall it's a it's a, it's a, a pretty wicked torture of an album. Paul, what are your thoughts? Uh, hell fucking yeah is my only <laughs> opinion about this album. If you ask what I think about this album, hell yeah is all I can say. I mean, it's I mean it's kind of like Mundu Mokhtar. It's just like, what do you say about it? It's really good rocking. Like, it, it, it fucking rocks. Um, yeah, I'm a simple boy. Really, if you give me good rock, like, I, I kind of am happy, you know? I, I was really shocked when he started singing. I was not expecting that. I thought I had an intruder in my house when... <laughs> There had been like three very long songs with no singing, and then there was singing. Uh, but this album rocks, and if, if you just want to hear scuzzy lo-fi guitars done well, um, you know, and I think they justify having a 10-minute song instead of two five-minute songs or three three-minute songs. You know, they, they make the song cohesive even when they move from one part to another. So yeah, Birds of Maya, hell fucking yeah. Birds of my hell fucking yeah, Valdez, check it out if you want yeah. if you want the scuzz in your life. Next up, and Paul. Will we've each done five albums, so this is probably a good place to cut it and return for part two. I think you are probably right. <laughs> we Just end up talking about a lot of, a lot of things for a lot of time. Yes, and I think I think we will talk more about the back half than the front half. So yes, let's probably. cut it here, and we will see you guys next week. Peace. <laughs>